Hi, guys. I'm glad you're all here this morning. Stand with me if you would, and let's sing to our Lord.
No, 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 Artie. No, 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 no. The regular size is enough. We don't need extra tall. And definitely not extra short. Regular will be all right. But uh, we are going to have to go a little wider than normal this year, all right? Uh, because of the guitar, you know, you got you to carry it through. But uh, we're excited this year. We've got a little construction going on, a little something new happening. You all can grab a seat while I tell you a little bit about it. But August 31st through the 2nd, we've got a little bit of a project going on down in our Family Life Center. We're going to be building something amazing, something new that you've never, ever, ever, ever seen before. All right? So what we're going to do. You guys are going to show up in your families. You're going to be doing some Bible study with them. You're going to be playing some games. You're going to be building a few things. You're going to be enjoying some snacks. But all this is going to be going on in your job site so you're not contaminating anybody else, all right? So make sure you get online and you go ahead and register. And, and, and you're, you're ready for a week or three days anyway, right? Who wants to be with the kids longer than that, am I right? But three days where you're going to have some great fun digging into God's Word as a family. So make sure to register so we can get you your site. We have everything there in your job box that you're going to need for an amazing week of VBS. So that's that's how, what dates? Let me hear you say it. August 31st through September 2nd. Now the registration deadline is tomorrow. So I need you guys getting online and making sure you filled out your online registration for us, all right? Do you think you can handle that? I don't think any of them can handle it. Do you think you can handle that? All right, and if you got some friends and family that you want to bring along, that's great. They can be in your job site with you. If you got too many, let us know. We can put two job sites together, but we'd much rather have you there with your kids having an amazing time this year. Now, there are no age limits. Bring your preschoolers. Bring your middle schoolers. Bring that 40-year-old that's living in your basement and still hadn't moved out anywhere. You know, it'll be great for them too. But you all come together as family as we get into uh, Philippians 1.6 and talk about this work that God has started in your life that he's going to make sure he carries out through to completion. All right? We'll see you all. Make sure you register by tomorrow. Now, there's one other thing that's going on. Something else that's a little bit different you all need to know about today. For some of you all, you've been involved with us at Good News Club down here at the school at the bottom of the hill. Well... This year, we have no idea what that's going to look like. We have no idea what the schedule is going to be. We have no idea exactly what we're going to be able to do. But we want to be ready because things are day to day, right? I mean, I got an email today already changing specs on everything that we're getting going. I know Miss Jill's been getting ready for school. She said she's had emails every day about things that are changing going back to school. Same thing with Good News Club, but we want to be ready. So to be ready, we got a training coming up, our annual training, all right? It's going to be Saturday, September 5th. Now, if you're interested in being part of Good News Club, you come on out, let me know. We've got new worker training that's going to be going on that day, all right? So even if you don't know anything about Good News Club, but you're interested in coming out and helping these kids, come out. We'll get you trained. If you're a veteran, you've been doing Good News Club for years, We've got a veteran track that we'll be doing, and that's really where we're going to be digging in and trying to figure out some things and planning some ways that we can get the gospel in front of these kids this year, even if we don't ever get to go back into the school all school year, all right? So let me know. I need to know by Friday, August 28th, if you're planning on coming. They're going to feed us. You can't be on a job site and not eat some good food, am I right? So they're going to feed us, but I need to know by Friday, next Friday, this coming, the 28th, if you're going to be at Good News Club training, all right? Other than that, welcome to our church this morning. If you're visiting, I apologize, but you just never know what you're going to get when you come on stage. You never know when my construction accent's going to switch to Australian from last year or back. I don't know. I can't control it. It just happens. But we're excited that you're here. We're excited that you're worshiping with us. And if you're at home, I apologize. If you're just now tuning in, hey, what are you going to do about it? But I hope you're here to worship the Lord this morning. I hope you feel welcome. I hope you feel his presence. I hope you're planning on listening to Brother Jonathan. Because it doesn't matter up here. I told him this morning, we don't want that substitute teacher mentality, all right? I don't want to see any spitwads while he's up here teaching, all right? Or, or me and Larry in the back, we're going to take care of some things, all right? We're ready for business this morning. But 
I hope you realize that no matter who's up here, it's God that's speaking to you. I hope your hearts and your minds are ready and open. You're excited to hear what he has to say because you're planning on letting him do a work and continue it to completion so that you can leave out of here today and be the people he's called you to be. All right? All right. Register by tomorrow. Good news club workers, I need to know by Friday. Other than that, I got to make accommodations for a wider door. I tell you, never a dull moment. <laughs> I know a lot of you, just like me, uh, are going through a lot in these days. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, whether it be personal, whether it be things going on in the world that have you bothered. But I want you all to remember, I want you all to think about the fact that we have a sovereign, heavenly Father that we can run to. No matter what your earthly family situation is, whether your father's living, whether your father's not living, we have an, a heavenly father that we can always take our problems and we can always take our fears and we can always take our worries too because he will take those from us and who better to handle them? He already knows the outcome. He already knows what's going to happen in your life. So who else to, would you rather talk to about these things? I pray that you all do that and remember to do that as often as, as you can. Stand with me if you would.
Amen. And praise God that we can do that. You may be seated. you, Pastor Travis, for getting us excited about this morning. Wow, that, that was a, a neat construction uh, slash Australian, like it's a New Yorker slash, I mean, it was, it was good, it was good. Well, it is a blessing to be with you all today. Um, I'm just so excited to share the word that the Lord has laid upon my heart. I pray that we all leave this time together with an even higher view of God and more appreciation for his majesty and his attributes. Let's go ahead and pray to get started. Heavenly Father, uh, please be uh, with the words that come out of my mouth. May they be your words and not mine. God, be with our hearts. Help them to be prepared and our minds to be prepared to be changed by your word, God. The Bible says that your word is living and active, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord, that it can penetrate into our hearts to split even our, our joints and marrow, our soul and spirit, God. So God, I pray that during this time that you be with us and help us to uh, learn more about you, and to be comforted by you, Lord. We love you. Amen. I've entitled this message, The God of Comfort. Please do not misunderstand me with that title. Sometimes today you hear something like that, and, and you think you're going to a different type of message. Uh, uh, there are many who do worship what I refer to as the, the little g, God of Comfort. Uh, Americans are given countless choices when it comes to their comfort. Take mattresses. There are soft Firm, medium, memory foam, gel, spring, I could go on for a long time, or, or lighting. I don't know if you tried to pick a light out recently. Uh, it's really tough sometimes to figure out what type of lighting each one to set, uh, to kind of make comfortable the setting in which it entails, right? And we don't have the slightest amount of time to discuss reclining chairs. Uh, if we go there, uh, there's so many gadgets and genre in that furniture that you become, uh, per, uh, per, uh, have decision paralysis in trying to make that selection. Uh, however, this little G of this little G God of comfort is the antithesis or exact opposite of the direction the Word of God will take us today. Instead, we will be learning about our Heavenly Father, the true God who is our comforter. Our scripture for today is Second Corinthians one, three through eleven, and so you can start working your way there as we get ready. This is going to be a pretty straightforward sermon. I've only got two points. However, these are extremely difficult points practically speaking. I pray that they penetrate our hearts and our minds. Let's start with a little background uh, before we get into this. Uh, Paul normally starts off his letters, as you'll see, with an introductory greeting, and then he goes into an expression of prayerful concerns or thanksgiving for the recipient. This letter does follow this pattern, although it is much different from Paul's typical thanksgiving. Instead of starting with a focus on the readers, as he normally does, he actually goes into detail about his own sufferings and then brings the readers into, the, into his world and encourages them to experience the comfort of God as they go through their own sufferings. This makes this letter uh, introduction extremely personal as Paul lays to bear his own feelings of suffering. So what does Paul say about God in this first section? He shows that God is a comfort to the afflicted and suffering. God is a comfort to the afflicted and suffering. We're going to read in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7 here to start off with. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Interestingly, in these five verses we've just read, the word comfort is present ten times. Finding the theme of this passage doesn't take a whole lot of sifting, does it? Uh, the word is repetitively used in relation to affliction and suffering as well. 
as we look here, I've tried to make it easy. Uh, my highlighting kind of didn't come across exactly right, but uh, that's about how it would look. You know, when doctors use anything with their hands, it usually looks about like that. So um, if we look here, verse 3 has comfort one time, verse 4, four times, 5, one time, 6. Uh, verse 6, we see it three times, and verse 7, one time, to be a total of 10 for those of you who are trying to count. I did it multiple times to make sure it was right. Um, I think we can follow, all follow the theme that Paul is giving us here. Interestingly, though, how beautiful is it that Jesus described the Holy Spirit by the same Greek root word that we see here for comfort, parakaleo. In John fourteen sixteen, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The word helper or comforter here in this passage in John is actually the noun form, or noun form of the same root word that we saw in our passage today. That particular word refers to one called upon to render aid. As we discuss our God of comfort, let us not look at this as just a mere hug or an encouraging word from a friend, although these acts are in fact appreciated. However, this type of comfort is not passive in form. It's active. This comfort comes through God, through our ultimate comforter, the person of the Holy Spirit whom Jesus promised. We don't just get a word of kindness or encouragement. We get actual aid and strength to persevere even in the darkest of situations. Praise God for his glorious comfort through the Holy Spirit, our helper and comforter. On the flip side of comfort, we find a word that we don't use quite as often today, affliction. The Greek word for afflict here is thlipsis. It may refer to squeezing or exerting pressure on someone or something. Reminds me of a boa constrictor whenever I kind of listen to that. And actually, if you look at the book of Mark, uh, that same word with a prefix, S-Y-N, is used in describing a couple of crowds that were pressing in on Jesus. They all wanted to get so close, so it was almost like a you know, pressing in. Um, any of you who are claustrophobic just realize that you're not a real big fan of that word. Uh, however, we see Paul state that God is comforting both his fellow workers and him as they are afflicted. In fact, it seems that Paul is actually selling affliction as a good thing and a thing to be expected and appreciated because it allows you to experience the comfort of God. I've been trying to understand the mind of Paul as he glories in his afflictions here for God. He suffered arguably more than any of the other apostles. In fact, Jesus made the following statement regarding Paul to Ananias before Paul arrived to be healed of his blindness that had come upon him on the road to Damascus. In Acts 9.16, he states, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul understood this concept immensely. He suffered in many ways. Later in this book, 2 Corinthians, in uh, chapter 11, 23-33, it actually has a long list of Paul's sufferings and afflictions that he experienced throughout his ministry. He was beaten almost to the point of death five times. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three times. He was in danger of many different people, as well as exposure to the elements. All of this while laboring with great energy for the gospel. Paul understood what it was like to get to the end of his rope and have absolutely nothing left. But he also understood the comfort in God during times such as these. Understanding this comfort gave him confidence to walk into the fire and minister for the Lord. Understanding God's love for him, despite the affliction that he was subjected to, gave him the confidence to walk in obedient faith. He knew that it was not his strength that was necessary, but the strength that God used to carry him along. That's why also later in this book, 2 Corinthians twelve ten, we see, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul recognized that God's strength came through his weakness. To further illustrate this concept, I want to tell a brief story about a man named Damien. A Belgian man named Joseph Damien, also known as Damien of Molokai, ministered to the island of Molokai, which is Hawaii's fifth largest island. Many may think such a man went to Hawaii for a beautiful adventure with majestic scenery, right? Who doesn't want to go to Hawaii? Damien's purpose was different, however. He went in order to minister to the outcasts. Knowing that there would be risk to himself, he started ministering to a leper colony 
For those of you who are not familiar with this condition, it is a dreadful disease caused by a bacterial cousin of tuberculosis, although its manifestations are quite different. It is caused by a bacteria that slowly grows and causes large growth in the skin, physical body and facial disfigurement, muscle weakness, blindness, loss of sensation, and loss of muscle innervation, which may lead to even paralysis. It was, this, it, was, it was a disease that had no cure until last century, the 20th century, although these curative antibiotics may still take a year or two to rid someone of this disease. It was knowing the risk of this incurable disease during his lifetime, during the 19th century, that he went to preach the gospel to this people. Here is a picture of him just before he died in 1889. He would always start his sermons off with, My fellow believers... However, one day he was pouring some boiling water into a cup, and some fell onto his foot that was bare. He was astonished that he could not feel anything. So he proceeded to pour some on his other foot. Again, no feeling was noted. That day he left, and he started his next sermon off with the statement, My fellow lepers. He was now one of them. He would eventually succumb to death from this dreadful disease, in 1889, but not without bringing God, uh, God glory through ministering to the least of these. I tell this story to challenge us for a moment. We live in a world full of affliction and suffering. Many are nearing death even as we speak today. Some are in abusive domestic situations. Some are addicted to illegal drugs. Some are living on the street. Some in prison. Some are fatherless and orphaned. Some are lonely and have no one around to talk with. What is Paul's challenge here? He challenges us to step into the suffering and affliction of this world for the sake of Christ and to share Christ's love through the gospel. Let's look at verse 6 for a moment again. He states the following, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. What does that say at the end there? When you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Do you understand the ramifications of this word when? There is no if. It is a when. The word in Greek is actually the word en, in, which can actually mean in, among, because, as well. All of these are inclusive words. There's not a this group is afflicted and this group is not. This group suffers and this group does not. No, it's, it's inclusive. If you are a believer, you will suffer. Even those who are not believers will suffer in all honesty. There isn't any wiggle room to get, a, to get around facing suffering and affliction. Are you running from those who are in pain, afflicted or suffering? What if your neighbor gets COVID? Would you take them groceries? Or would you watch them die of starvation because you couldn't take that risk for you or your family? That's selfless of you, right? Or would you just cut, would you cut their grass? Would you pick up their medicine? Would you share the gospel with them knowing that you may be exposed, but you know that they don't know Christ? My friends, I'm not stating that we all need to jump into the most dangerous and precarious situations in order to be more holy. But what I'm asking each of us is, are we willing to? It would be foolishness to be in harm's way for no purpose. But it is glorious to the Lord to be in harm's way for his sake, walking in obedience to his call. If he asks you to do something that might cause pain, affliction, suffering, and yes, even death, are you willing to follow? Paul is confident here that if you do follow into the hard places, those areas riddled with affliction and suffering, that you will not be alone. The God of peace and comfort will walk right along with you and sustain you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian who fled Nazi Germany in order to keep from having to fight in Hitler's army. Soon after reaching America, he began to regret leaving his people. He immediately went back to Germany to help fight against the Nazis. Soon after reaching Germany, he was arrested and placed into a concentration camp in Flossenburg. He actually died two weeks before the camp was liberated and about a month before the war was over. It was such a tragic end for such a young and upcoming theologian. However, Bonhoeffer brought God much glory 
by following the principle that he referred to as costly grace. He termed two different types of grace. One he referred to as cheap grace. Cheap grace, Bonhoeffer stated, was not true salvation. It does not require repentance or obedience. It is not a true love for Christ. Costly grace, on the other hand, understands the magnitude of what Christ has done for us. And it responds by obedience and love to Christ. I bring this up to encourage us to reach out to the afflicted and suffering in our world. Don't run from them. Run to them. Be Christ's hands and feet to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your family, to your friends, to all those around. God promises that when you do, you won't be alone. Your helper and comforter, namely the Holy Spirit, will be walking with you each step of the way. Peace, joy, contentment, fulfillment will all fill your life. My friends, walk with Christ into the places that he calls you to. Don't be afraid to step out in faith and serve him. Many may hear this first point and really be praying for someone to step in there with you. You don't have to step in to suffering and affliction because you're already in the thick of it yourself. You've been praying for someone to step in and help you through this dark time. You've been praying so long that you've almost completely lost hope that it can get any better. Keep praying and reaching out to God. He is there to comfort you through the working of his Holy Spirit. But even during this dark time that some of you brothers and sisters are going through, there is still good news yet to come. The good news today is not only is God a comfort to the afflicted and suffering, but God is a comfort to the hopeless. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. We are not given sufficient information in the scriptures to know exactly what these afflictions that Paul and his companions were experiencing in Asia but we can be confident that they were severe. The statement Paul makes in verse 9 is somewhat confusing in the English language. Paul states that he and his companions felt that they had received the sentence of death. This sentence of death was not so much an external authority placing it upon them, but it was actually in their heart and mind of themselves. The literal translation actually is, indeed we ourselves have received the sentence of death in ourselves. Paul had gotten to such a difficult time in his afflictions and sufferings that he came to terms that he was nearing death, that there was really no way he could keep going. He was going to die. His body was going to give out. Do you feel like Paul here? What if you don't think you can go on any longer? What if your afflictions and sufferings have burned you to the point where you cannot even take that next step? Paul empathizes with those in that situation in a mighty way. He states here that he and his fellow workers were so burdened beyond their strength that they despaired of even life itself. Have any of you who are listening today feel that way? Have you felt that way? Do you feel that you can't go to that terrible job even one more day? You can't go to school even one more day. You can't see that person one more time. You can't hear that you're not good enough one more time. You can't stand to fail one more time. You can't take that abuse one more time, physical, emotional, intimate. You can't handle those put-downs even one more time. If only death wouldn't be so evasive. Do you despair even unto death? Sadly, a recent CDC study shows that you're not alone. In late June 2020, just a couple of short months ago, showed that 11% of Americans, 11%, have seriously contemplated suicide during this seclusion due to, due to COVID-19. During the same period, 31% reported anxiety and depressive symptoms. 
26% have had worsening trauma symptoms, and 13% have started or increased substance abuse. So many suffer from this hopelessness. So many believe the lie that they can't go on for one more fill in the blank. They cannot endure one more anything. But Paul, even in his own despair and affliction, provides a view of the kind of God that we have. Paul shows that even in despair of death, God has the power to resurrect your life. You may feel despair now, but God gives hope in affliction. Many feel worthless and that your life is ruined, but God makes beauty from the ashes. Your life may feel dead, but yet God, in his power, can renew your life. He can take what appears dead and breathe his life into you. He delivered Paul and his companions, and he promises that he can deliver you as well. Nothing is too hard for him. You are never too far gone for our Lord and Savior. My friends, put your full trust in the Lord. I'm not a good salesman, I'm afraid. I'm not going to present a false message that states that if you become a Christian, everything is going to be amazing and you'll never suffer. In fact, we see the Apostle Paul still suffering despite his prior conversion and faithful ministry unto the Lord. But what I can promise you is that Jesus Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul does not suffer as one without hope. He, he, he has a God that is always present. He is the best friend that you could ever have. He loves you, cares for you, counsels you, guides you, and protects you. You will never be alone again if you place your trust in him as your Savior. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, I pray that you do that today. If you have, maybe you're still feeling some of the afflictions and the sufferings that Paul felt. Even as a believer, we can feel very worn down at times. Ask God to renew your mind and your strength. He is faithful. 2 Corinthians 1.10, going back here, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. God has done this and will do this again. He has saved souls from hell and he will do it again. He has delivered his people from the afflictions and suffering of this world and he will do it again. My friends, we, when we are in the pit of affliction and suffering, we may feel hopeless. There may appear to be not any light around us. Do not trust your feelings, for they are reed blown by the wind, sometimes up and sometimes down. Instead, trust the truth. The one who is the way and the truth and the life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, our Heavenly Father, God calls us to look back at what he's done in the past. As I stated, he has done great things and he will do great things again. Reflect on the character of God. Reflect on the consistency of God. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Our God never changes. He is consistent. He loves you. He desires a personal relationship with you through his finished work on the cross. He's not like your Maybe your mother, your father, your boss, your coworker, your teacher, your coach, someone that may have been very difficult in your life, very hard on you. Maybe they changed their expectations on a whim and you never could quite measure up. You kept working, but their expectations just seemed to lord over you and you never could reach what they wanted you. Maybe it was a professor. Maybe it's your spouse. It could be anybody. But guess what? Our God is consistent. He never changes. He has met all of the expectations on you necessary through his death on the cross so that you didn't have to. He attained perfection on your behalf so that you didn't have to because you couldn't. I couldn't. Not only did he meet all of the criteria for perfection for you, he paid the penalty for your sins as well. 
all of the times that you disobeyed God through your actions, your thoughts, and even your inactions have been forgiven by the blood of Christ if only you place your trust and your faith in him. I entitled the second point, God Comforts the Hopeless. I entitled that because the first two verses of the section, but God doesn't leave any of us in that state. Praise be to God. If we start reading here in verse uh, 9 and 10, the second half of 9, he states, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. God has delivered us, and he will deliver us. Where does Paul place his hope, my friends? On whom? On God. Not on riches, not on our parents, not on our spouse, not on our siblings, not on our home, not on our job. And no, not even on your own abilities but instead on him, Christ. We put our hope on the unchanging and all-powerful God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It is on God that we place our hope that he will deliver us. All other things that we place our hope on in this world, they'll fade and pass away. But Jesus will never pass away. He is forever present and dependable. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never let you down. He is the God who truly raises the dead. I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer here in just a little while. And we're going to sing a song. During this final song, I want to open up the the, the stairs here, the altar here. To give everybody an opportunity to present themselves humbly before God. If you haven't, put your life in his hands. You haven't acknowledged him as the Lord and Savior of your life. I pray that you do that. You may be saved by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God in the flesh, that he lived a sinless life, that he was crucified on the cross for your sins and mine, but he didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. With that understanding, that Christ has overcome, that he is God, you repent or you turn away from your sins and choose God's way and not your way any longer. God promises to raise your dead life to a new one. We are born again through salvation. He gives us a new heart. Please don't fail to respond to his drawing, my friends. Many of you who who have already surrendered your life to Christ, but you are still going through some very difficult times. Many of you have lost a loved one recently. Maybe you are battling a health condition that is really weighing on you. And you despair even unto death, as as Paul stated. The afflictions are so strong on your heart and on your body. Feel free to voice your concerns to the Lord at the altar as well. Maybe you have a relationship that's just really struggling. Maybe there's somebody else in your life that's just very, very heavy on your heart. We have a lot of room up here so we can socially distance and, and, and uh, bow before the Lord. If you're watching online, your altar may be your coffee table. Bow before Jesus and offer your life unto him. Let us pray. Lord God, we humble ourselves before you right now. We admit that we are unworthy to even be able to approach you. But we praise you that you have given us a way to have a relationship with you by paying the price on the cross for our sins. We may now approach the throne of grace with confidence, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the wonderful gift you, have, you give believers of your righteousness given to us through salvation. Yours is the only name that one may be saved. That is because you are the only true God. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for the comfort that your presence brings us through the Holy Spirit. I pray that your comfort falls among your people as we pray even now. I pray that you draw those who do not know you even now as well. And I pray that they respond to the free gift of eternal life through your payment on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for salvation. May all glory and honor be unto you now 
and forever. Amen. Pray that God is speaking to you this morning and you're attentive. Just because you didn't come forward doesn't mean you didn't make any kind of decision. But if you did make any kind of decision, I'm going to be hanging around afterward. We'd love to talk to you and love to know about that, know how we can pray for you and support you in that. If you made a decision at home, we'd love for you to get hold of us here at the church and let us know about that so we can uh, be praying for you and giving you whatever kind of support that we can and what God is doing in your life. With that, we are dismissed. Don't forget, VBS registration closes online tomorrow. Good news, club workers, past, present, future. We'd love to talk to you and see you come out to uh, training. And other than that, we will see you next Sunday. God bless.